0: Extra, extra, extra. Welcome to Revolutionary Podcast Utena, where one kind of expert and one total newbie watch Revolutionary Girl Utena and talk about it for your enjoyment. Hi, I'm Randy.
1: Go guy, go guy, go guy.
0: <laughs> Have you heard the news? I'm Jared. Hey, I appreciate your
1: enthusiasm here, uh, as, as usual. It's so great. Yeah, thanks, Randy. I can't remember anything else that they said every single episode, but I definitely <laughs> remember Go Guy.
0: Of course, it it sticks with you. It always has. It never leaves my brain. It's always
1: taken a little bit of little bit of space there. Um, you're just you're just gonna go get a job with the the U.S. Postal Service. <laughs> you're gonna throw people's. Mail in their mailbox and just say, "Go, guy!" <laughs> and just drive away. You know, have you heard? Here's the news. Maybe you're you're a you're a newspaper delivery boy, not a mail. <laughs> Whatever. Just well, screaming things outside your car. You're playing Absolute Destiny Apocalypse, blasting it. Everyone knows the mail is here. <laughs>
0: it's Octio's car.
1: Yep, exactly. Can you hear it? Do you hear that? <laughs> you know. I just for some reason I just thought that if I ever did a pod, I'm uh, sorry, a cosplay from this series, mm-hmm. I think I'd I always like to do I like to do something kind of silly. Like um, characters aren't quite my thing, mm-hmm. but um, I would probably want to do the car. You like one of those <laughs> things where it just like sticks out in front of you or in back, and then have the little license plate say Otori. Oh, yeah. that's funny. That would yeah. be
0: great. I I would highly recommend you do that so that way I could see pictures.
1: Yeah, I always, like, if it's, like, a picture of a sign or, like, a vehicle or or something, I always envy people who do, like, the Chocobos or something, you know, from Final mm-hmm. Fantasy, and they're walking around, and it, like, looks amazing. You could just do uh, Akio's planetarium projection thing. Oh, my God! <laughs> I've never been really into wearing anything that lights up, but I will say... We did an outdoor Halloween event because of COVID. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I wore one of those light-up DJ masks that went with the music. So, you know what? If I've done that, I could do anything. I'll just... Yeah. Oh, flashing light orbs. Oh, man. <laughs> Sky's the
0: limit. But uh, we're, we've are we come here, Jared, because we have a job to do. Okay? We have a job to do. And that job is to talk about Utena, which I know we've been talking about. But, we're like, we really got to dive into this show And what uh, this podcast is about is we're going through the whole show and the film uh, to talk about it, and uh, I would say we're not going to talk spoilers, but spoiler alert, this is the episode where we're going to cover the final arc of the series. I know that I think at the end of the last episode we talked about we're going to start the last arc, but when we sat down to watch it, we got through three episodes, and I was like, instead of watching, then recording. This all feels, and it's lost its episodic format. I feel like we should just watch it all and then record it another time. Mm. So... Mm. And how's that going? Is it... (laughs) it, (laughs) I thought it went great because I was having a great time. But that means that this episode will be all spoilers for the TV show. I mean, we're going to be focusing on these last six, but that's where... all of the things unfold. So um, if you haven't seen the show, and I don't know why you're dropping in now, or if you've been listening to this whole time and you haven't watched it, I uh, definitely recommend watching the show with us. You can find it on Nozomi Entertainment's YouTube channel. Uh, it has everything except for the movie, which is the same deal on Funimation Now and Crunchyroll. They have the TV series, not the movie. Uh, of course, you can also pick up the Blu-rays released by Nozomi Entertainment on Right Stuff, Amazon,
1: or wherever you get your anime paraphernalia. You know... I feel like there's someone out there who only watches the Apocalypse arc of series, and that's why they're here. (laughs) You know what? I I only watch this. I don't watch anything else. Well, then welcome. (laughs) Strap in, (laughs) because it's going to be weird. Um, All right.
0: And a whole bunch of stuff. So we're still going to do this episode by episode and, and talk about it that way. But please forgive us if we mention things that happen later and we jump around. It was... All one big blur of a finale for us, so we'll do our best. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're starting with episode 34, The Rose Crest, which aired on November 19th, 1997. Jared, what was this episode all about? Well, this was
1: the beginning of the apocalypse arc. <gasps> That's what this episode was about. Yeah. The end of the world, the apocalypse was happening, fire was raining down from the heavens. Whoa. Or so I thought that was what was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but instead... <laughs> This episode was about the Play Girls. Hmm. So, the Shadow Play Girls host a play telling the generally accepted myth of the Rose Bride. After a conversation with Akio about the prince of her past, Utena has a dream depicting the truth about Anthe, Akio, Dios, and herself. This episode was storyboarded by Junichi Sato,
0: who previously and futurely worked on Cowboy Bebop, Evangelion 2.0, His and Her Circumstances, Kaleido Star, and Sailor Moon. Uh, Directed by Katsushi Sakurabi, who worked on Iori Aoshi, Excel Saga, Is It Wrong to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon, and One Punch Man. Uh, Of course, written by uh, series veteran Yoji Enokido, who's worked on Blue Exorcist, Metabots, Ranma, and Sailor Moon. Uh, Animation supervised by two people this episode. We have Yoko Kadokami, who worked on Astro Boy, the 1990 version, Attack on Titan, Big Windup, The Dirty Pair Ovas, gundam 0083 and gundam wing my hero academia and the slayers films and by animation legend shinya hasagawa who worked on Azumanga daio digimon movie 2 that's the mamoru Hosoda one uh, evangelion 3.0 uh, regular old vanilla neon genesis evangelion the reader die ova sailor moon and sorcerer hunters And for director's commentary, we're going to have some doozies this uh, last arc here. So, Mm -hmm. uh, series director Kunihiko Ikuhara had this to say about episode 34. Has the prince become a mechanism to allow princesses to exist? Or is the existence of his princess the only thing holding up the sleeping prince's noble heart? The Rose Bride is born. I've prepared three points of view. The prince is a victim. Akio is what the ruined prince has come to in the end. The end of the world. The prince's tragedy. The Rose Bride is born. She saves the prince, and in exchange for keeping him all to herself, she becomes the witch, and that is the tragedy. Ream after ream of faxes come into the prince's mountain hideaway. I wonder if these sorts of expressions feel a little dated. Would it be text messages after text message now? Or flame after flame on the internet? Oh, but I guess you can just block texts from people if you don't want them. No, no, a prince mustn't do something like that. It must be rough being a prince in any age. So, uh, this episode was different in that it's like a a shadow play on what the uh, origin of the Rose Bride and the um, fate of the Prince is followed by a dream sequence depicting what actually happened. Um, But it's kind of fun to look at both and wonder if they, you know, coexist in the same way. Um, Jared, uh, I know that you might not have been, you might've been focused too much on the show to really take a lot of notes,
1: but what do you have for this? Well, I will say this, that, when we finished watching this episode, I'm pretty sure I was questioning, like, questioning to you, I was like, which one was real? Because it had a, it was kind of tough, because I thought that with the Kashira players, um, mm-hmm. giving their presentation, that that was, like, the big reveal, and that that was, like, a, a moment that was going to click with Utena, mm-hmm. and, um, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty smart that they finally have this culmination of all these episodes of these, the Kashira players and these weird things that they say and mysterious things. And sometimes it relates to the episode. Sometimes it doesn't. And now we're finally here with this theatrical moment. And then it's like, no, just kidding. And then (laughs) there's this like (laughs) this dream sequence that happens and it uses the uh, actual characters. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a second. Which one was real? <laughs> um, so you know, I kind of it's a lot of the notes I took during this arc were kind of play by play, and uh, as we go through these episodes of the commentary and other things, it helps me to kind of reformulate where things were going. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I did think that like the Kashra players giving like a play was very smart. Um, that was really cool to see. Uh, we you know had this these moments where there was a witch up in the castle up in the sky that wanted to steal the light. Um, So I'm like, oh, that would be Anthe, right? Uh, And that there's a prince that goes up to the castle to stop the witch because he is the light. And then it implies that the rest of the student council has different powers, like the power of miracles, Mm the power of, I don't know, sadness, or whatever. (laughs) The (laughs) the shining thing. The shining things. um, And then it's revealed that the witch is the younger sister to the prince. Uh, and she's the only girl who couldn't become a princess because she's related to him. So she, mm-hmm. you know, she used that against him and, um, I'm like, Oh, cool. So Anthea is the witch. The big brother, Akio is the prince and, that's where I was, like, pretty solid, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and then <laughs> I don't remember exactly everything that happened. Uh, but then I'm like, wait, there's a flashback to Anthe being impaled by swords yeah. <laughs> um, to save her brother, the prince, because he was dying because he was protecting every girl in the world. And Utena, I believe, was this the reveal episode where she saw this? So she wants to become a prince to save Anthe from eternal torment. So the eternal thing that she saw was torment, and I'm mm-hmm. like, what? What? <laughs> Surprise! What, about, what, a what twist. about the classic like Disney, you know, storyline of <laughs> the light goes up and it's well, actually they wouldn't do the brother sister thing, would they? No, uh, but, <laughs> but they. Yeah, I'm like, oh, it just makes sense, and then it's like, oh, wait, there's a fax machine. There's there's people. Like how, in my mind, like all of these things happened years and years and like, I think like hundreds of years ago, Mm. like not just like 20 years ago. I mean, in the 90s, I mean, Japan is still faxing stuff. Like people are joking about that still. Like today it's 2022 and there's still like meme articles being put out on the internet that they're still faxing things and putting like their stamps on everything um, as their signatures. And it's like, wait are they implying that all of this stuff like happened in this, this world that Utena lives in like 20 years ago or something? I mean, mm. so that's, that's why I got confused uh, because I was, I wanted to go with the fairy tale version because it's like, Oh, it all makes sense. But then they actually showed what happened. And I'm like, wait, that I guess makes sense. That's kind of where I went with it. Yeah.
0: I think at least to me, I take a mixture of the things in that, the, the lead up to the uh, castle in the sky is probably true in that the prince is out there saving girls and, you know, princesses and the like, and there are monsters that roam about and he fights them off. But then it's the the witch's origin that isn't entirely true mm. before then we get to the dream sequence of Anthe taking care of the prince who's uh, stuck in the house and is uh, very ill from exhaustion and she's begging him to not go and do his thing anymore because he'll he'll die from it before you know people show up and they're like demanding him that he go and save people save the princesses and things like that before she um steps out and says you know i've sealed him away and you can't have him anymore before she uh gets impaled by a bunch of swords so i, I feel like one builds into the other it's just that the last part is kind of the the um made up story the The nice way to to explain it to children, you see.
1: So did she literally... Did she have powers then as like a younger girl where she was able to literally seal him in that cabin away from the villagers because then she's murdered by these people who needed him because he wouldn't return their faxes Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, basically gets... She gets stabbed. I'm joking, by the way. Anyone who's like listening and being like, "Oh my god, what?" No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not, because he wouldn't be there to save all the girls. Like you know, like the so she gets stabbed. Um, but I feel like they never were able to reach him. And I can't remember if it's because I've done some reading on some of these episodes, but mm-hmm. my understanding is that she put him into a deep sleep. Is that what happened? Um, so he would heal, I, or I would
0: assume it's probably something. Like that, I think, but I think like the end result is that she's sealed his his power, the light of the prince away, uh-huh. so that now he's just a regular person, just a dude. Is, yeah, and that's why Akio is uh-huh. in search of the power to revolutionize the world because uh, his power is probably sealed away a, in back. a way that he can't. Yeah, he can't uh-huh. retreat. She can't retrieve it, so he's like, "Well, I've got to get it
1: back through these means." Now, you know, you know. The series Are just clicking? got a lot, well, it got a lot darker for me all of a sudden. Well, good. It's not, <laughs> not just because I'm drinking a stout. So <laughs> I feel like I, that's pretty sad. So, like, why he has to use all of these duelists who could actually break what is it? We're trying to revolutionize the world. So he's trying to right. use people to get up there to be powerful enough to break the seal on some door, blah, blah, right. blah. That's you know, stuff that
0: happens yet. later. That's basically yeah. the whole thing is, yeah, he's looking to find a duelist who can, who fulfills the ideals and the nobility of the prince, which is then manifested into their swords, which is what they've been pulling out of their chest this whole time, so that he can take their sword and use it to pry open the door because that's the power that's needed to unlock it. And he no longer has it because his power's been sealed away. So he's using well, his dueling game as sort of a survival of the fittest. The one who wins is probably the one who will be able to grant me a strong enough sword to get in there. And um Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah well, yeah, yeah.
1: I feel like he should have uh, looked at, like, a different student council, because there were some weak choices. <laughs> <laughs> there were some weak choices. I mean, come on. There was a few good ones, I understand. Right. You know, captain of the fencing club, this and that, and... Mm-hmm. A, a beautiful pianist but uh i i'm like oh okay um but yeah i feel like that a lot of this had been going on for quite a long time yeah so i'm i'm and i really do tr- well if you look at like the age of the young prince versus like akio now mm-hmm. like akio is like he to me he always looked like he was in his 30s i know the series said he was like 18 right but maybe, I guess he never aged, right? Is that the point? Right.
0: So huh? using what assumes to be Anthe's powers to keep o- people in Otori Academy young forever, because we know that people who leave can actually age because, uh, what's it's her name? Magic. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember her name. Uh, Soji's girl. That, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, comes back and she's much older. So this could have been going on for a very, very, very long time. And it's just that he's kept to be young. Well, at least young looking. So that makes him and, and Utina's romance even grosser. Because who knows how old and mature this man actually is.
1: Yeah, it really does play at... There was like a reveal. And I believe it's this episode where is This is the one where like... Is this the one where Utena says to Akio, like, to the prince, the younger prince version, like, oh, mm-hmm. you need to save her. Please save her. She's hurting. like, yeah. And then she goes up to Anthe and she can't save Anthe. And um, so those moments happened. But, like, in the realm of things, that's just, yeah. just like, that's like a projection of Akio just being a young prince. And, yeah, like, who knows how old he is, right? It's just such right. a weird thing yeah, because. That he... It he, appears as this. A, yeah.
0: he, he appears as a prince to her, uh, as like the young boy prince that he was before everything happened. But he does specifically mention the boy who was the prince doesn't exist anymore. End of the world is uh you know, who he's become. So one assumes that is just some sort of projection or a illusion being done to to make him seem more friendly and approachable, at least for a young girl like her, and then yeah, it's kind of this really neat reveal origin of her promise to be a prince, not because she admired him, but because he lacked the ability to save this poor, suffering girl, and she felt so bad for her. She wants to, you mm-hmm. know, save her from everything she's going through. So it makes me also think,
1: though, why... Let's see. So, how how far reaching is his power? Right. Where, I mean, the whole episodes where, like, she's in a coffin because she's hiding and her parents had died and she's hiding like away. Right. And Mm. so you have him arrive. And so does this like illusionary power reach throughout the whole world or does it reach Mm. to like, was this literally just in the same town? Because my understanding is the story is that, you know, Lieutenant, I, I thought she like heard rumors or something and basically enrolled at this Academy to, to basically find it so it's like how did he did he just choose this girl you know randomly right. or something. I know that the series doesn't really answer that.
0: but Yeah, I don't think it really takes the time to answer that. We're just kind of left to accept it. I would assume if we want to get into the nitty-gritty that it's that, you know, wherever she lived before with her parents was probably somewhere close or at least able to be transported there via, I don't know, maybe yeah. his car. Well, Toga and um, Sayonji were also local, so it must right. be. Right, very true. So, you know, he probably just took her to where she is, which is at Otori Academy to reveal this something eternal to her. Mm-hmm. Um and then of course as she grew up and was able to transfer to a school of her choice she went to this one because it you know would the the ring and the memory yeah. of the rose crest would would draw her to him.
1: Gotcha. It was a pretty heavy episode in a way.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. When we had finished the uh, Akio Otori arc uh, and we saw the next episode preview I'm like, "Oh, the next one is a doozy." Um, cuz it's just mm-hmm. yeah, it's the uh, the thing we've seen at the beginning of most of the series, which is, oh, here's the story of a girl who met a prince, and then he, she wanted to become a prince, blah, 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 but it's now here's what really happened, which is uh, mm-hmm. always a fun thing to, to do that.
1: Yeah, it all makes sense now, that song. It's the story of a girl who met a prince, and it changed her whole world. Okay. <laughs> Let's, uh, you better
0: do a whole rendition of that and upload it somewhere.
1: You know, uh, the next lyrics I had in my mind are just so... Akio's a scumbag, so let's just continue. Uh Okay. (laughs) Okay. Uh,
0: Episode 35, The Love That Blossomed in Wintertime, which aired November 26, 1997. Uh, Jared, why don't you tell us what happened here?
1: Akio's courtship of Utena was successful, while Toga's was not. Yet only Toga knows just how dangerous Akio truly is. Even as Toga helps Akio woo Utena, the student council's most infamous playboy realizes that he has fallen in love with the one person he cannot have. This episode was
0: storyboarded by Jun Matsumoto, who worked on Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex, Rurouni Kenshin, Trust and Betrayal, uh, Dragon Ball Z movies 10 through 12, uh, directed by Hayato Date, who worked on Bubblegum Crisis 2040, Flame of Rekka, the Sayuki Ovas, Naruto and Great Teacher Onizuka, written by Ryoe Tsukimura, who worked on Blue Seed, El Hazard, uh, the first Tenshi Muyo movie, did all of, uh, worked on Tenshi Universe, and of course... Into the Erogenous Zone, Lion Flare. <laughs> 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 what if it's Leon Flare? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah, that's the word you want to, you know, be hung up on. <laughs> Animation supervised by Masahiro Aizawa, who worked on Deltora Quest, Hell Girl, The Woman Called Fujiko Mine, and a butt-ton of Pokemon movies. And we have director Kunihiko Ikuhara's commentary uh, follows. Toga's character changes personalities between the beginning, episodes 1 through 13, and the end, episodes 25 through 39. What changed him? When he was young, he met a girl. She said things like, everyone is alone, and there's no such thing as eternity. A deep despair. He couldn't save the girl, but the next day, there she was in the sunlight with something different in her eyes. Something had saved her. He wanted to know the true nature of the miraculous power that had done it. When he met her again, he tried to rule her heart. His thinking was that only the joy of being ruled could save people. He believed that uh, was where the power of miracles dwelled. However, the girl rejected the joy of being ruled. She was a revolutionary girl. And starting that day, the power of miracles that he sought transformed into something else. That something was Shkoi, which is, I believe, a reference to uh, the Shadow Girls uh, thing there. But Mm. still, uh, Jared, let's talk about this episode. Uh, what do you have for notes, or what do you recall about this whole setup of a two-parter
1: for the final duelist duel? I have that there was a car scene with Toga and Akio under the stars. Mm-hmm. I, I'm remembering the imagery from that moment. Um, so I have <laughs> that, that. Yes. Yes. Uh, I'm trying to to piece this together. I I remember before we started recording, I was like, Randy, I might need your help with filling in some of this stuff because I remember the big moments. But, man, there was a lot of, like, in these episodes, there was a lot of Akio with Toga and then eventually Sionji as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there was the whole weird thing where Toga had to give a gift to akio uh even though it seemed like toga just wanted to give her a gift on his own accord but that doesn't happen so you know toga gives her earrings from akio i'm like okay (laughs) we have this like this moment where you have this horse scene right so (laughs) it's this moment where like toga's like hey you I know you've been in Akio's awesome hot car, but have you been on this awesome hot horse? And she's like, no, (laughs) definitely not. And that's a scene where she falls. And uh, uh, basically I was like, wait, is Toga trying to hurt her? Like, I feel like he was trying to test her or push her to her limits. It was a strange moment, but all that really mattered was that Akio saved her. (laughs) Right. Yep. It was the, the setup to bring in the prince and save her yet again. Yet again. And then I have this note that Toga wants to be like Akio to save Utena from her coffin. So apparently they were talking about coffins back then. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, um, I mean,
0: back in episode uh, oh, 13, when we had the course. flashback of them meeting.
1: Uh, of course.
0: She that locked herself in one. So
1: Yeah. The, the weird third coffin that was there. You know, one for mom, one for dad, and then one for the child. That was... That was mm-hmm. um, <laughs> so... Uh, what that was a dark episode, just a bit, just a bit. But hey, at least like Toga and Sayonji were uh, riding their bike outside when <laughs> when, <laughs> when they were like, I think there's a girl in there. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> okay,
1: but they're still riding bikes
0: together. You see, uh, they just are. a motorcycle.
1: But not quite yet. We're almost there. <laughs> but yeah, so while Toga wants to be like Akio. Uh, it's just pretty clear that he can't be. It's like he's become so close to Akio as like his confidant and his, you know, his second hand man. But he's not quite there, right? He's just all used as a ploy, you know, just to get a ton of closer to Akio. It just yeah. uh, it's kind of too bad in a way. But then I have to remember how much of a scumbag Toga is as well. <laughs> yes. So I'm like, I don't really feel bad for you, unless I'm supposed to. I mean, I kind of do. I mean
0: everybody here toga and Sionji included i mean they do have some garbage behavior and are terrible people at times but like i don't know they're they're also struggling with their own stuff and you gotta remember they're pretty young too they don't have all of their mental faculties yet so mm-hmm. you know doing what they need to do in a in s- to survive in this weird world where they're young forever and there's weird things happening. You're fighting with swords on a daily basis. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's weird. Like, obviously, I, we've had the conversation, at least I brought it up before, of, like, if a person does a terrible thing, at what point, like, can we, you know, view them as more than the, the sins that they've committed? Um, but, like, yeah, I mean, I definitely feel for Toga um, in, in these moments here.
1: He's been through some shit himself, mm-hmm.
0: so, you know.
1: Mm, yeah, I don't have much else to say except uh, we were getting a lot of moments of Utena trying to like remember what happened in the past. So she's having some strange dreams or something
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: that or she's waking up from her dream, but she can't quite remember what happened in it uh, in her past. But she's getting a lot of really weird vibes. So apparently the kashira players in the play wasn't enough to like, to bring it up. But off, off, but then again, it's not like the play showed her. It's not like the play had shown her, uh, what she saw as a kid. Right. It was just right. like a, a play. I think that's one of the reasons why I got confused because it seemed like it was a reveal that Utana was remembering, but it was more just like, here's what happened. Oh, and now here's some episodes where she's trying to remember what happened. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I, th- I think so. I mean, I, I, She, those memories still exist, but I don't think it's, it's, she's cognizant of them and things Mm -hmm. like that yet, besides just like what the play showed. But yeah, I mean, this episode does a lot of setting up for things because, you know, it is the first part of a Mm two-parter. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about in this uh, setup?
1: No, I'm ready to talk about the motorcycle.
0: Okay, good. Um, I actually pulled up an episode to uh, just watch while we're talking here and just have it playing at high speed, and I accidentally was uh, watching the next one. So that's why I was like, oh, let's talk about the motorcycle. Oops, I picked the wrong episode. Hey, it's a cool motorcycle. It (laughs) definitely is. Um, (laughs) Episode 36, And the Doors of Night Open, uh, which aired December 3rd,
1: 1997. Uh, Jared, what happened in this one? Just motorcycles. Just Um, motorcycles, that's (laughs) it. Toga invites Utena to the dueling arena at night, where he confesses his feelings to her, a good old kokuhaku.
2: (laughs) Convinced that
1: his love is real and selfless, Toga fights together with Seonji to defeat Utena so that they may save her from a final deadly duel against Akio. Utena wins the duel, but when she sees Anthe and Akio together, she faces one final test of nobility to decide whether she truly is a prince. This
0: episode was storyboarded by Hiroshi Nishikiori, who worked on Azumanga Dayo, A Certain Magical Index, Love Hina, and Outlaw Star. It was also uh, storyboarded and then also directed by Toru Takahashi, who worked on Azumanga Dayo, Death Note, Devil May Cry, and A Woman Called Fujiko Mine, uh, written by Ryo Tsukimura, who, as we remember from uh, just a minute ago, uh, worked on Into the Erogenous Zone, Lion Flare. <laughs> and... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> a animation supervised by Takahiro Tanaka. And for whatever reason, I don't have any credits for him here, so I, I apologize. Um, but uh, <laughs> director Kunihiko Ikuhara uh, had this to say about this episode. It was determined from the very initial production stages, back when the show was still thought of as a normal shoujo manga anime, that Akio Otori was the prince, who then was Toga. I racked my brains over it. He was a cool guy, but he wasn't the man of her destiny, Akio Otori. In which case, who was he? Well, no, there was one thing I did know. He had ambition. That was the key word. I'm always an ally to girls. Toga once said those words to the girl in the coffin, and since then, he's been continually tested by his own words. See, Toga's a cutely single-minded guy. Motorcycles. Gotta talk about that motorcycle. (laughs)
1: i'm sorry i looked up into the erogenous zone <laughs> <laughs> it's not safe for work so if anyone's listening to this on a lunch break or something don't look up into the erogenous zone and <laughs> <line. laughs> make sure if you do look it up it's not on a work device
0: um
1: <laughs> it's this? <show>. <laughs> Thank you, Anime News Network, for having a quick plot summary. Oh, it's about <laughs> magic and stuff, just like this series is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, I'm. we're just going to move on here. Um, <laughs> so what about <laughs> motorcycles? Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> instead of our usual
0: car journey, we have uh, oh, yeah. Toga driving a motorcycle and Sionji being in the, um, the passenger <laughs> sidecar, which is... So sad for Sionji, who's got this inferiority complex when it comes to his best friend Toga. He's like, I'm a, i am
1: I can be just as good as him, and then
0: he gets in the sidecar versus having his own motorcycle.
1: So, right, and it, you know, Toga getting a motorcycle is so funny because it, it obviously it relates to Akio's car. Like, right. you know, Akio's got this amazing car that. Drives around and you can can pick on chicks in. (laughs) Yeah. You can jump on the hood with your shirt undone (laughs) and go vroom, vroom, baby. Whereas Toga, (laughs) is riding along and I think they're. I can't remember if they're both wearing their helmets or not, but it's just so cheesy. Sionji
0: definitely is. Toga, okay, so Toga is wearing it correctly (laughs) on his head. mm -hmm. Sionji has the strap (laughs) on, but it's like around his neck, so the uh, helmet is hanging out behind him. Oh, man. Even though he's the one that's standing doing
1: a (laughs) T-pose in the sidecar. I feel like there was like a, they talked about that too, it's just so funny. Mm Mm-hmm. But they talk about how, like, they want to escape their coffins, that they're in their own version of their own coffins. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm like, wow, you guys had really bad childhoods to get to this point. (laughs) Um, It's such a thing. (laughs) Uh, And they openly do say that if Utena wins against Toga, that she'll gain the power to revolutionize the world. Mm -hmm. If she wins, but if she wins, she's played into end of the world's hands, right? Yes. So I'm like, oh. Finally, the series just put something out there that just all makes sense. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> they're like, yeah, if it's this, it's this. If it's this, it's this. It's like, oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get those moments. At, was it this episode or was it the last episode where I know he confesses his love, but was that they they go out at night, right? And he,
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah, they go up to the dueling arena at night, which is kind of our first time being there when it's not daytime, and they, you know, have a conversation about things and how uh he wants to be her prince even though she says, you know, no because I have the thing mm-hmm. for Akio and stuff and he's like, "Well, how about just for tonight?" And she <laughs> acquiesces like, "Sure, that's fine." So they'll they'll have a hug and they'll talk about, you know, things.
1: Yeah, and I I've, I just read that episode uh, recap: It must have happened right at the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in the was first just, half. I was so focused and enamored on the motorcycle, I just completely skipped past that. <laughs> um, so we get the battle, right? So we we get this cool moment. You were really excited about uh, Toga and the animation with Sionji right? So like the animation where the sword gets pulled out and everything. Like you yeah. were really excited about that because it was new and different.
0: Exactly. During this last arc, you know, we've had the um, the other person, the other duelist having a bride who would pull the sword out of them and then give it to the duelist to use to fight with. Um, But it's always just been like single non moving animations of just like, all right, let me I'm pulling it out. I'm holding it. And then like, here it is sort of thing. Um, and this is the only one that is, you know, fully animated where we've got hair blowing and, like, uh, Sionji reaching over and pulling the sword out, and, you know, it's just kind of this neat thing of, like, this is getting real now, we've animated Mm -hmm. it, it means it's a big deal. Mm Mm-hmm. So. Yeah,
1: right. Um, I was really focused on the cool new animations with all the cars. Right, Um, that are just zooming all over the place during their fight, instead of, you know,
0: being stationary.
1: Yeah, and, uh. Yeah, so that was really cool.
0: I'm watching it again right now, and I forgot about the part where all of the cars are driving right at Utanen. she's just
1: holding the sword and, like, cutting all of the cars in half. Yeah, actually, that was my next note, is that she promises to protect Anthony and she's cutting right. all of the cars in half, and then she takes down Toga. Right. So, she wins the duel. Um, great. So, at this current point, everything's good, you know, oh yeah everything's having, going great she's having these moments where she's trying to remember what happened she's having strange dreams she mm-hmm. looks at you know Anthony and she's like i think i know you or something from like before i don't know you know she's right like, I, I don't know what's going on still i just know that i'm sleeping with this weird dude and i'm in his car a lot and my life is changing pretty rapidly right uh-huh. <laughs> yeah uh but then of course we get into the last few moments after the battle. And mm-hmm. I have a line here that I don't remember the context. Like, no one will be going after Anthy anymore. And, oh, I mean, I guess that's because the that's duels right. are the student, over. The duels are over. The students, there's nothing for them to do anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So that makes sense. Um, and then I wrote, I'm like screaming here. I'm like, big revelation. Naked <laughs> Anthy. <laughs> so literally, yeah. Like, Utena finally walks in on anthe being with akio and she's just like naked in like this like a1 frame like that's like an anime term for cells yeah. where it's just like a high quality drawing basically keyframe mm-hmm. um, and it's like anthony does not care in fact i feel like it was all on purpose i don't know like there's a big revelation right right
0: yeah that's our big thing is finally she sees what's been going on in this house question mark uh the entire time she's been living there so. And, uh, yeah, I mean, she's also, like you said, she's having these flashes of remembering the real story of the, of Anthe being skewered by these swords. Granted, she wasn't there, but, you know, yeah, n- learning slowly what all of these things are, more probably remembering that dream that she had. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Is there, uh, anything else you want to talk about this one? Um, do you feel like, do you feel anything about, uh, toga and all of this stuff that was going on you know uh wanting to be her prince uh do you take that seriously or is it just him just wanting to be in control
1: of things i feel like he was such a playboy right like every other episode he was with like a different girl you had so much stuff with nanami happening we recently had um some episodes with nanami and like her dealing with her feelings for her brother And then, like, his reveal of, like, how much of a bastard he is for letting her think that they're not actually related. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, uh, spoiler, that doesn't ever get resolved. And uh, you kind of... I don't really... I feel like it was almost, like, a quick revelation that he was truly into her. Unless you kind of go with the fact that he was so, like, enamored by everything that had happened in the past. And that he had no clue what she saw that made her believe in eternity but that he kind of became close to her in that moment and he could never get away from it so you Mm -hmm. know but then like the back and forth of him being with akio and you know some of the animation and some of that obviously that stuff of being up on a building and (laughs) they're like moving around in the bed i'm like i'm pretty sure you guys are getting it on because akio gets it on with anybody right yep yep absolutely so um it just there's just so much that has happened with Toga where to have him suddenly have this change of heart, um, you know, maybe watching the episode again, I would kind of see the revelation a bit differently, but um, I mean, it is a two parter. So yeah, sure. Sure. But it just kind of felt like it came out of nowhere.
0: Yeah. I mean, he had met her when they were younger, like you said, and then uh, he's always been this playboy and wanting to, He wanted to be a prince, even though there's, I guess, only one and he's not around anymore. Kind of wanting to, you know, uh, be his successor. But, like, I don't know if we... if (laughs) There's not a lot of reason to ever believe Toga for the things that he says. But if we take what he says at face value, that he did fall in love with her. I mean, like, granted, his idea of love might be different than what, you know, a healthy relationship should be. But at least... You know, those are romantic feelings all the same, so I kind of feel for the guy. He's the third wheel or fourth wheel, I guess, in in this whole thing. But I don't know. It's just, um, he he sat out for like an
1: entire arc, so I've always felt like he was a mysterious sort. I always thought that him sitting out for that second arc, that he was going to come back as a broken character and... Be more of a companion character
2: Mm. that
1: had like a bigger like turn of heart or a bigger personal change, and then instead he kind of like came back as just Akio's wingman, and they took that route with him, which you know was to me seems more true to his actual character, Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: went down that path. And when you have these moments now where. You know we're trying to figure out toga's feelings for Utenna um they just i mean I believe it obviously mm-hmm. I, I get it but i don't I don't think it's nearly as powerful of a feeling of you know the reasons for why Utena wanted to become a prince or the actual meaning behind Akio being who he is now uh like 'cause like and the reason why I'm making these comparisons is because we're like in the final episodes, you know. Like, yeah, we're we are in the final arc. We're like now halfway done with it. And it just seems like you had two sad boys like Toga and Sayonji who had their own things going on for a long time. Uh and they were friends along the way and then you know they get caught up in these things and i do feel bad for toga that he was like manipulated uh and used but at the same time like he knew what he was getting himself into with akio like eventually like event you know so yeah i guess i feel bad for him but it's like it's too late you know there's not much to build on top of him now like after this as a character so i just Mm -hmm. feel like it came out of nowhere uh I feel like it was, I feel like the episodes with Nanami were stronger before this with how Mm -hmm. horrible of a character he is compared to what's going on now. So, yeah. Um, then let's,
0: you know, we were, like you said, we're coming into the end of it here. Um, so let's take a quick break and then we're going to talk about the final three episodes of this whole shebang. we're back and we're diving right into it we're going with episode 37 the one to revolutionize the world which aired december 10th
1: 1997 jared what's the deal with this one the deal with this one is shocked and confused after the previous night's revelations naked anthe (laughs) utena (laughs) seems to put aside her desire to become a prince in favor of of pursuing akio a talk with Mickey Jury Anonyme brings Utena's feelings for saving Anthe back to the surface, and when Anthe attempts suicide to escape the rapidly unraveling emotional landscape, Utena decides that her friendship with Anthe is more important than her ambivalence about her. Her about her and resolves to protect her as the meeting with Utena's prince.
0: So this episode was storyboarded by, by Takuya Igarashi who's worked on Bungo Stray Dogs, Cutie Honey Flash, Darker Than Black, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, and Sailor Moon. Directed by Katsushi Sakur- uh, Sakurabi, who worked on Is It Wrong to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon, A Little Snow Fairy Sugar, and Toradora. Uh, written by, again, series veteran Yoji Enokido, who worked on Bungo Stray Dogs, Evangelion, uh, FLCL, Gunbuster, Sailor Moon, and Razafon. Uh, animation supervised by Nobuyuki Takeuchi, who worked on Kikider, Digimon Movie 2, that's the Hasoda one, Uh, Howl's Moving Castle, Knights of Romane and Forty, Madoka's Side Story, and Peach Girl. And our series director's commentary is as follows. Evidently, some theorize that engagement rings can be traced all the way back to ancient Rome in the days before Christ. At the time, of course, marriage wasn't a product of love. It was a political affair in a society dominated by men. The concept of romantic love appeared on the historical stage later. Therefore, rings weren't proof-of-love items, they were signified proof-of-contract. During the Renaissance, military man Cesare Borgia was ablaze with a desire to conquer Italy. One theory has it that the Borgia family assassinated its political enemies with a poison called Cantarella to expand their territory of influence. I've known the word Cantarella for some time, but I didn't start to think of it as romantic until I read Miss Saito's manga The Flower Crown Madonna. You see, Cesare has a beautiful younger sister named Lucrezia. In this story, Lucrezia entered political expedient marriages with men from various lands, and her husbands died of mysterious illnesses. She poisoned them with Cantarella. Lucrezia loved Cesar as a woman loves a man. For her brother's dream of world conquest, she married men she didn't care for, and then she killed them. Lucrezia gave both body and soul out of love for her brother. What a romantic story. That's what I thought of on the first reading. I also thought... I want to take a shot at grappling with her emotions. I think I had Lucrezia in the back of my mind as I shaped Anthe's personality. So he brings up Cantarella as the uh, scene in this show. The morning after you know, the revelation, uh, U- Utena and Anthe are sharing tea together and talking, and they mention that they've poisoned each other's stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a, it's a very different scene for the both of them like personality wise pretty different but like i don't know at that
1: point i wasn't even i wasn't sure if they were actually poisoning each other or what like i i actually thought that they were doing that i was like oh my god this show just got dark um (laughs) even darker but no uh no they were just (laughs) kidding apparently
0: (laughs) Mm. or you know testing each other who knows it's um there's a you know their relationship is very fraught after this because of course uh Utena has feelings for both of them she's been sleeping with Akio she's been in love with Akio and oops Anthony who knows that she's in love with Akio has been doing terrible
1: things with her own brother behind Utena's back this whole mm-hmm. time and and so like i feel like as we get into these episodes now there's a stronger there's like a a stronger personalization to Utena than what we got in a lot of the episodes in the past. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the, epi- and, and so I mean like this arc and, and some of the arc before this uh, are where I started to feel more like Utena had more going on than just being kind of aloof to a lot mm-hmm. of the situations. I definitely felt bad for her for being like used and abused by Akio. Um, because we, as the viewer, had a stronger sense of what was happening than she did, being young and naive. And as these episodes progressed, like, you get into something like this, and I'm like, oh, man, you know. It's not just, like, clear-cut and dry that Utena is this princely character. This is more like, we're joking about poisoning each other. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's,
0: uh, I think this episode, because it does more focus on... Utena and her feelings more so than like, oh, a duelist and like their thing that's going on and stuff. We really get to zero in on her as a character, which I don't think the series has done quite a lot of. I mean, certainly there were previous ones, like when she lost against Toga in the first arc and things like that. But like, yeah, we get her dealing with her feelings uh, for Anthe and Akio. We get the badminton scene, um, which I think is really nice. It's kind of like this send-off before the the night of the battle where she's interacting with these people that she's been with the whole time that she's been in school. She's playing with um, Jury and Miki and uh, eventually uh, Nanami comes around and, and has conversations where it's very interesting where it has become from developments that Nanami is kind of the voice of reason and like mm-hmm. <laughs> things that are going on.
1: Um, it's just a, just an interesting twist. Yeah. It's like Nanami needed those moments where, she was treated so horribly by her by her brother um mm-hmm. and then learning that you know she believes that he's not actually blood related mm-hmm. um and you know x y and z all adds up to this this kind of like reformation of her character in a way right and i definitely believed i feel like i believed in Nanami's uh feelings and her voice of reason more than the Toga stuff where his, his changes had happened. Um, maybe it's just because one person was on the other side of the other with how they were treated, but Nanami, I feel like had some extra growth happen. Yeah. So, yeah. And it was funny when we brought up the bad minute episode, like I couldn't remember where it happened and I didn't take any notes on it at all, as much as I liked the scene because I was just like, so in it, um, so I don't even remember exactly what each character said, but I thought it was a really cool, <laughs> like it was a really cool episode that kind of, or, or a moment in the episode that kind of like took the characters and they kind of were like discussing with each other and kind of joking with each other almost um, of how like they had resolved some of their issues. Right. So Mickey with his sister, Kozue, um yeah. the anatomy, uh jury. I can't remember if she still had feelings or not. Um, but there's, but well, you know, she they, mentioned they she wants a it.
0: picture of Utena for her new locket rather than Shiori. Oh, hell yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, who wouldn't? Right.
2: <laughs>
0: God. Uh, Another thing I wanted to hmm. bring up that, you know, we didn't really talk about too much, but I feel like now is a good time since it's kind of the last time we have these characters interacting with each other, um, is... We brought up all of the things that Nanami has gone through with, you know, in regards to her brother and, like, how terrible she was treated and, like, her being the first one to discover what's really going on here with Akio and Anthony. A lot of the stuff that we've seen happen in the series, you know, in the Nanami episodes, like, ah, oh, they're fun or whatever, but she also, like, gets her comeuppance for things. Because, let's be honest, Nanami was a cruel you know, high school girl as well,
1: but
0: um every time she gets it paid back to her in equal measure, perhaps sometimes more. And if you really if you really look, all of the times that she gets her comeuppance or, you know, gets put through all this torture, it's kinda Anthe's doing. Um Mm. which is Both, you know, paying her back for the terrible things that she does to Anthe, because even from the start, it's, you know, slapping her and then giving her a fake dress that dissolves to embarrass her at a party and all these things. But, like, you know, we've learned that Anthe is a witch and uh, controls a lot of what's going on here at the school. So it's not far to really come to the conclusion that, like, all of the strange things that have happened has been her... So it's kind of a, a tit-for-tat and also just like, you know, mean, despite being the person who's perpetrating a lot of things, she's also going through a lot of, you know, psychological torture. Um, besides just from her brother, which yeah, I think it, is a
1: neat way to, to grow her character. It kind of like paints a picture of her being one of the most innocent ones of them all. Um, yeah. Sadly. I yeah, mean, it's a strange way to put it, but it's true. It's, uh... It's interesting. Maybe Suwabaki takes that key. I don't know. But there's like, yeah, there's, there's certain aspects of this where she just, I think I, uh, in the end, appreciate her a bit more than I was throughout some of her episodes. Mm hmm. I do think her episodes were some of them were very annoying, um, <laughs> but entertaining at least. Especially with Cowbell, I mean, who can forget right. that? the egg? The egg, I guess, is like really famous and popular. It seems like with the Atena <laughs> fandom, I mean, Cowbell is too. But uh, Cowbell really got me. So, yeah. but okay, um, <laughs> but yeah, this badminton episode or this like moments were really neat. Yeah, um, but. You know, at some point here it takes a turn for where it takes the turn from, you know, high school kids, middle school kids hanging out, you know, in the square of this school where nobody ages to um Anthony trying to jump off the roof and yes. I'm like holy moly. Um Yeah.
0: So, I know that we do get a lot more of that in the next episode, where we just kind of shown the deed being done here, but we get a lot more of the before and after in the next episode. Yeah. Um, it, it, but it yeah, like, that's a hard shift. <laughs> so it, it was just like...
1: like it was kind of like out of nowhere, too. Let me just... Uh, I'm, I'm kind of backtracking to like some other notes I had on this episode. How Utena had gone on a date with Akio, and he had uh, he said that the stars do not interest him anymore. Or that he's
0: never liked the stars, which is yeah. odd, because he... Does the whole planetarium shtick and like that is one of the things that he used to entrance Utina into liking him was, you know, mm-hmm. his knowledge of the stars and his it's so romantic. Yeah.
1: And he noticed that she's not wearing her ring anymore. Or at least right. in that moment.
0: Because at the so, beginning of the episode, you know, it's their bedroom the morning after everything, and she
1: lets it fall off her hand. A lot of turbulence here between those moments happening, the badminton scene, character revelations and and growth. And to Anthony attempting to jump off the roof in this moment that doesn't quite make sense to us, so like yet, Mm -hmm. um, but it's happening. And I'm like, wait, I thought you hated that girl, you're just like joking about poisoning her. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. and now you're, you know, with her on top of the roof, so uh,
0: cliffhanger basically, right? Exactly um is there anything else you want to bring up about this one i mean just as a surface level thing we didn't bring up that this is the first time that utenna gets a letter from end of the world which then she just tears up she doesn't want anything to do with this anymore because Mm -hmm. i assume she knows who he is and other such things but you know anthe tapes it back up and gives it to her right before they decide to go together to the final duel I don't know. It's just a. Uh, it's just a such a wild episode
1: that's packed with so so much stuff. That the badminton uh, scene through. is one of the best, uh, especially at, like recent moments of the series. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: When I was reading a breakdown on this episode and some of the other episodes, like this scene was highlighted heavily, and I, I thought it was really neat that they had done that scene the way they did, and. It's, like, self-referential, like, they all know what they've been through. I, I I do think it's interesting that in the previous arc, we had these moments of the student council trying to guess what had been happening to them, and they mm-hmm. were trying to, like, narrow down... Well, I mean, some of them were definitely shown end-of-the-world stuff, so it's like they knew, but it's like they were trying to to narrow down, I don't know, the scenario a bit more. Mm-hmm. And it was like almost like a mystery to them, and I was I was kind of liking that angle for a bit. But then in the end, we kind of just get some personal resolution for each of them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so I guess I I always thought that something was going to happen a little differently with the student council members. I always thought you know one of my earliest predictions was that Mickey was going to befriend Utena and Anthe and like try to take down the student council or something. But then, like, obviously we realized that the student council was just to try to, you know, have these duels to find uh, that princely character, and etc. But
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: I always thought there'd be a different kind of angle with these characters. And then in the, the previous arc, you know, there's like, some mystery involved with it and they're trying to, like, solve this, the ending here of what's going on. And then it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, we were all used. <laughs> Which is like, yeah. yeah, we know. Akio was pretty horrible. Um, and uh, the last thing I'll say about badminton stuff was they showed quick frames of kozue's face mm-hmm. and whomever churi was in Chiori. they showed like these quick frames like highly drawn frames of these characters who were like kind of like watching the badminton thing like they they were overhearing it almost and right they looked like sly and devilish if
0: you ask me yeah they have a very like just evil devilish
1: grins it's like why? It's uh, I mean, are they was this like the series are we thinking about it the wrong way? Like I, wasn't this like a resolution for some of these characters or are these characters just like still always going to be there and be a, a hardship for them, you know? Like yeah. what's I don't know. That that was just really visually striking to me.
2: Mhm. Mm-hmm.
0: Is there anything else you want to bring up on this before we jump into our our final two? Nah, I'm good We're, we're okay. good
1: to kind of get into this last two
0: <sighs> Okay, so Episode 38, The End of the World Aired December 17th, 1997
1: Jared, what happened here? Akio reveals himself as Utena's prince The end of the world And the orchestrator of the pain and suffering of the duels He tries to woo, woo Utena into giving him her soul's sword When she rejects him rather than abandoning Anthe He shows her the harsh reality behind the duels even when confronted with how she has compromised her own ability, Utena chooses to fight, and she and Akio engage in the final and most dangerous duel. Utena seems to gain the upper hand, but Anthe sides with her brother and literally stabs Utena in the back, unable to accept her as a prince.
0: This episode was storyboarded by Shingo Kaneko, who's worked on Blood Plus, Darker Than Black, Eureka 7, Full Metal Alchemist and Laidback Camp, he is also the director of this episode written by series veteran Yoji Inokido, uh animation supervised by Akemi Hayashi, who's worked on Banana Fish, Neon Genesis Evangelion, Gunbuster 2, His and Her Circumstances, the Nadesco movie, and Panty and Stocking. Uh, Ikuhara, the series director, had this to say, "'There's one thing I remained strongly conscious of since when we were producing the opening sequence, and that was the final duel.' When the prince awakened, the dueling arena tower would crumble. Right before the series began its broadcast run, we were producing a TV promotional spot, and so I was thinking up the narration for it. I'm going to be a prince. I had a premonition. I knew that line must have meaning. This episode is wild. We've got, you know, a very uh, big duel. We've got, you know, the actual final, like, okay, yeah, I've been the big bad this whole time. Uh, I'm end of the world, but I'm also your prince. And um, yeah, there's just a lot going on here. Like, there's the big <laughs> prince grave back there, the the rose ball with the prince sitting on top of it. Mm. What do you uh? What do you have for
1: this one? Because there was a lot here. So I'll just say this up front that like getting into these last two episodes, I took a lot of notes that were play by play. Yeah, and and I'm reading, <laughs> you know, like the summary of the episode, and I'm thinking, huh, right, yes, that is what happened, but. Man, there was, like, a lot of just stuff. Um, so I guess we will just go through it that, you know, Utena was asking the, the real questions, like, why is Akio doing all of this? So she was questioning a lot of those moments. Um, you know, that's when we get that reveal that he is Utena's prince, um, and she is his princess. Uh, and let's see. He says, so Akio, like, makes this line, like, he says something like that a sword doesn't suit Utena anymore. Mm-hmm. There's so much that happened here. I'm trying to remember why he said that. uh, Because that she wasn't like being a... Was was she still like not being a prince at this moment? I can't remember if she's made up her mind yet. Well, like Um, he comes up to her and
0: pulls the sword out of her. And when he does, she changes from her duelist uniform to the Rose Bride uniform. Gotcha. Yep. And, you know, yeah, you're more princess than prince now. Because, of course, like you've fallen for me and uh, lost your Mm -hmm. virginity, your nobility... So, yeah. And also you, you know, made me cheat on my fiance. Like, yeah, of course. Like you weren't the you know, real problem here. But um yeah, I mean there's that all it, that
1: fun stuff. It moves into I have this mo this like these lines of Anthe feels the pain of being the Rose bride and she feels bad about how she treated Utenna. At the same time, Utenna feels betrayed by Anthe question mark realizing what and who Anthe is so we get we start to have these like internal realizations of what's going on with utenna like internally and how she's feeling about Anthe. where as cruel as Anthe is and was mm. that she still she still feels like that she wasn't strong enough for Anthony uh, Yeah, was, so, these are some of those moments where there was a, you know, probably another rewatch eventually would make sense because there's <laughs> so much going on. Um, but you know what? Let's just play into it because the uh, it's re- then revealed that the planetarium was an illusion device, and everything was messed up, anyways. <laughs> so, right. Oh, <laughs> well, you know, you're you're speaking before of uh, you know
0: not being able to protect Anthony This is that scene uh, of uh, Utena saving Anthony from jumping off of the building,
2: mm-hmm.
0: where Anthony says, "Like I'm, you know, always feel the pain of uh, being the rose bride. Uh, I'm just a lifeless doll." And that um, she was using Utena's innocence so that way, you know, uh, could appease her brother and things. And Utena comes out and, you know, says like, yeah, I wasn't strong enough to save you and I betrayed you by forgetting about you entirely (laughs) instead of thinking only of your brother. Um, And also that uh, when the whole thing started, she wasn't trying to be a prince to... Save Anthe at all, she didn't care about how she was being treated, really. it was for her to serve her own ego because that is what a prince would do, and she wanted to be that special person, so mm-hmm. she was using Anthe as like, Oh, here's this poor creature, I guess I could be the knight in shining armor, and I will be the best person in the world. So these two girls have been through so much, and you know are kind of spilling you know their guts to each other after this you know harrowing moment. And decide to return back to their promise of, if we have problems, we come to each other. Um, mm. And they're, you know, separated and going through all this before eventually, you know, curling up with each other and crying. Which is just a really great moment of, you know, uh, vulnerability and and coming to terms with each other. and Which is, you know, why they're friendly to each other after the badminton scene and everything. Because this happened the night before. But yeah, the planetarium thing. Uh, this is not a thing I picked up on until I was reading things through, that the dueling arena does not exist in the the back of the forest. The elevator and the stairs and everything was just to Akio's room, Uh, and it's been the projector doing all this, which means, like, everything that's been happening in the duels has just been in Akio's place where he could freely see things, even the, you know, night or so before of her with Toga, and, like, oh, man, just, like everything the desk with all of, of the cool. items
1: like yeah. that was kind of neat because it explains a lot of the bs that happened up there like the castle and like the prince like
0: visage coming down to like help her it's like nope it's all a lie it was all just a thing to fuck with us and you know the the right. characters in general
1: right and uh, it really helped to explain some things so like let's think back to uh, that the, episode, the the second arc, the main villain type character in that right, arc. Right,
0: Soji Mikage.
1: Yeah. I was almost about to say Saonji. I'm like, it's not Saonji, it's Soji, right? <laughs> so Soji, Doctor something. Um, Nemoro. Nemoro. So, like, that was all strange where they're like, this is an illusion, right? Or what? Th- this happened, or did it not happen, or what is this? Mm-hmm. Like, there's an elevator, right? Wait, so, okay. There's that. Uh, and then, obviously, all of the things that happened up in the yeah. uh, the up on the uh, in the dueling arena, like it never. So I'm just gonna say this, like, sure. Everything that we saw, the desks moving around, the cars coming up and moving and, and speeding around. Mm-hmm. I think there was one other like motif like something else that re- like repeated a lot um the was, like,
0: cars and like the shooting the head beams into like the
1: yeah sky but, like, or with the student council was it what was what happened in the student council arc was there anything up there that was strange or was that just duels i think it was just the castle that they had made yeah. mention of and then it was just the duels well, that's that's more than enough for the floating upside down council I guess. <laughs> yeah but all of that like I, there was times where i was always wondering like does Utena, like, realize that this stuff is there? Like, mm-hmm. these weird things with the cars crashing, um, the desks moving rapidly and stuff. Like, Utena never talked about that, right? Um, right. And we would sometimes see, like, a character in a car, like, get into an accident, but they were fine. And mm-hmm. it was like, was this... It always felt metaphorical. So I'm just wondering if that was just all part of... Um, the illusion of that device, like the planetarium thing. Because it it doesn't seem like that stuff had a true impact. But then again, it did affect some of the battle stuff. Like you had to kind of like cutting cars in half. Right. So what? (laughs) Yeah. It's all
0: very, I don't know, kinda loosey goosey and how much of it is real. And but yeah, exactly. It's definitely stylish and adding some, you know, some table dressing to everything that's going on. Hmm. Yeah, it's just so wild how it's been that
1: the whole time. You know, that just was to... a really cool reveal. So there was other things in this series that I was like, oh, I don't know, that's like a okay reveal. But like the planetarium thing, I'm like, are you for real? That's crazy. <laughs> 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 like, yeah, are you? That's wild um, that that had happened. It, it it doesn't really answer certain things for me, like why everyone doesn't age, um, why certain things were happening i mean maybe it's just like witch like power that anthe has i i don't know but this illusion device was really great can you just imagine that like akio is actually like hundreds of years old and he just is like this weird wrinkly dude <laughs> as mm-hmm. creepy as messed up as that is being like a prince the whole time that would have been even worse like whoa <laughs> yeah exactly
0: um yeah it's Oof, it's just a, a really great twist and get, and gets you thinking. Um, the other, like, you know, if we want to go into how this episode ends, Anthe comes to Utena's side in this battle as Utena starts to get the upper hand. Um, but she, but um, Akio no longer has his sword. Rather, Anthe has it and she sinks it through Utena uh, and betrays her in the very end. Mm-hmm. How did you feel seeing that as, like, our episode cap for this two-part, the first half of a two-parter?
1: Well, that, the way I took a note on that was, Anthe stabs Utena, it seems. Because I wasn't really sure, because this show doesn't really show blood. Right. right. Um, So, I, it was hard to know, and I was like, wait, did that really happen? Like, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't, I honestly wasn't sure if it had, like, Happened right. or how bad it was but then i mean going into the next episode they kind of show how bad it was like obviously yeah, it really messed her up um, yeah but uh i didn't feel surprised or shocked and that's because i never really trusted Anthony from the beginning
2: <laughs> um
1: i always thought she was a strange character and then as things kept moving forward with her especially going into the ending of the second arc where it's revealed that, you know, she was this illusionary character. Yes. And then she is like one of like Mickey's parents, basically illusion. Yeah. uh, Going into everything (laughs) with, with a, you know, it it gets more on the nose with everything that happens with her. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just didn't trust her. So like, but this was the very same episode where we
0: had their, you know, heartfelt moment of saving her from jumping off of the building and having their conversation and sharing tears together. And it's like, they've made amends and they've gotten over, um, their individual betrayals, but then Nope, one more, just going to give you a little stab. You know, it's, uh, I I think doing that both in the same episode is pretty powerful to go from. Okay. Mm -hmm. They they're together
1: now. Oops. Nope. For some reason, I just didn't believe it. It, (laughs) I thought that they, the way that they had split up that rooftop scene and then the badminton stuff, it, it just, it made sense from Utena's perspective, mm-hmm. but from Anthony's perspective, if I looked at it from her, it, there was still something off about it. Uh, mm-hmm. so I, I, just didn't, I felt bad for Utena that it happened, but I didn't, I didn't unexpect something. Like I didn't really think that like Anthony would do that. That was definitely like not on my radar. Um, Mm -hmm. but it it definitely just was like, oh yeah, that's right. This character that I never trusted to begin with did this. Um, So yeah, I, I don't know. I was kind of also more enthralled by like Akio's weird character traits that were happening, especially when he tried to turn things around on Atena. Like he tried putting all of the blame on her for everything that was happening and making her feel bad. I think that was, uh, that was like near like the first half of the battle they were having.
2: Mm hmm.
1: And there was like a lot of like interesting wordplay with him and as things happened. Uh, so I was like more focused on a lot of that. And then by the time we get around to Anthony, uh, Anthony stabbing Utena, I'm like, well, well, okay. But mm-hmm. I, I just never trusted her. I don't, I always thought she was like a pretty evil character. So mm-hmm. that's, that's where that went for me. Yeah. Totally understandable.
0: Um, are you ready to jump into 39? The conclusion? Yes. Oh, episode yeah. episode thirty nine. Someday together will shine, which aired December twenty fourth, Christmas Eve, nineteen ninety seven. Um, Merry Christmas, Christmas
1: Jared. Merry Merry Christmas. Uh, <laughs> we were sitting with our Christmas cakey, and we're Some eating KFC sh- or KFC, maybe a little bit of beer. <laughs> um, so while <laughs> while Anthony, <laughs> well, sorry, I'm just thinking about like. Christmas cake and food. Um, (laughs) While Anthony draws the swords of humanity's hatred into her own body. Ouch. um, Akio takes Utena's sword and tries to use it to open the Rose Gate, where the power to revolutionize the world is said to dwell. He breaks the sword against the gate and gives up. Though reeling from Anthony's betrayal and the shattering of her soul's sword, Utena summons all of her strength to reach the Rose Gate and stop Anthony's suffering. There, she opens the gate, now a coffin, to find Anthea inside. After a tearful exchange, Anthea reaches for Utena's hand, but as their hands touch, the coffin falls away and the sword, the swords begin ravaging both the arena and, apparently, Utena. Afterwards, the appearance of normalcy is restored, minus Utena. As Akio prepares to restart the duels, Anthea tells him that Utena hasn't vanished, but has merely left his world. Anthe leaves Akio and Otorio Academy to find Utena.
0: This episode was storyboarded by Mamoru Hosoda, who works on Bell, uh, Wolf Children, The Girl Who Left Through Time, Summer Wars, Digimon Movie 2, it's the litany of things, uh, One Piece Movie 6, um, which I think I've forgotten to mention all these times.
1: And Mirai. Mirai is yes. the one I think we've always forgotten about. Um, That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, Directed by Toru Takahashi,
0: who worked on Azumanga Daioh, Death Note, Devil May Cry, and Fujiko Mine. Written, of course, by Yoji Enokido. Episode was uh, animation supervised by Shinya Hasagawa, who worked on Digimon Movie 2, Evangelion, El Hazard, Food Wars, Ikitosen, Pokemon, and Sailor Moon. And uh, here we go. The final director's commentary for the TV series. It's pretty long. It is. It's like a page and a half. So here we go. There are two meanings to the Japanese word Utena. One is the calyx of a flower. That's also the meaning of the title, of course. The thing that supports the beautiful petals, the one with the noble heart. And the other meaning of Utena is tall tower or pedestal. We translate this into a visual, the tower at the center of Otori Academy, the one with the chairman's room on the top floor, and the dueling arena located deep in the woods is the same. In the early stages of production, when the story wasn't firmly established yet, this was one of the aspects I most wanted to visualize and produce for the screen. A world where demons roam. In its center, a tower called the Tower of Revolution. Whosoever can remain victorious in his battles against the demons can reach the pinnacle of the Tower of Revolution, and at the same time receive the power to revolutionize the world. The power that changes the rules of the world. However, when he reaches the pinnacle, he learns the world's governing laws. He faces the ultimate choice. Will he stay nobly, beautifully powerless? Or will he accept ugliness into himself and gain absolute power? He desired both. Or rather, perhaps he couldn't choose either. His mind, in anguish, he divided himself in two, his noble heart and the adult with absolute power. And so, with one last wish, that the day would come when someone would awaken him, the noble heart that had lost its body, in other words, the prince, fell into a deep sleep. Early on in the series' conception, I kicked around the idea of placing something like the above at the heart of the story. Later, after several changes, it became the tale as you know it, but without a doubt, he did reach the pinnacle of the Tower of Revolution. It was a place where eternity dwelled, and eternity turned out to mean perpetual sleep. The prince, Akio, who became an adult while in perpetual sleep, lost something. What he lost was the power to create an enjoyable future. Revolution means gaining the power to imagine the future. The prince chose to sleep on, and the princess chose to wake up. At the top of that tall tower, the princess did farewell, did bid farewell to the prince. No, she wasn't the princess any longer. She quit being a person or thing ruled by someone. The victory bells rang, but there was no tower rule beyond them now. She'd learned where freedom lay. She crossed the threshold of that door of revolution, which had always been closed to her before, and began walking. The girl's revolution lay in the girl's future. Wait for me, Utena. The
1: world, the stage, is free and wide. Hmm. So, finally, we get some commentary <laughs> that's, that's not about having just a vision that appeared in my mind or a UFO abduction or something <laughs> like that. We finally have, that's like a really good one. Yeah, know. it's, yeah,
0: very, very interesting in how the story came to be and, you know, the 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 outlook on that story. Something like Fun- that. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Jared, we, we've we reached the end. We've reached the gate. Uh, what are your
1: thoughts? What are your notes here? There were certain things that stood out to me. And one of the earliest things in this episode, episode 39, is that when Anthe stabbed Utena, she said something like that uh, she reminds her of Dios and that Utena cannot be a prince because she's a girl. And it Kind of like reminded me of how like a lot of this series had just like those um, gender conformities and um, Mm -hmm. certain things that it's like, oh, you're wearing a boy's uniform. uniform. Um, That's obviously one of the big key ones that they hit really hard near the beginning. Um, They brought it back again in a recent arc. Uh, There's just like, you know, those things popped up time and time again and uh, a lot of questioning of that and you go into her being wanting to be a prince and etc i mean i guess the over the whole over whole over like this overall (laughs) series was you know her being a prince to the rose bride and it's like wait but she's a girl and then you get this thing where anthony's just like being real nasty just being like yo you're a girl you can't be my prince Mm
2: -hmm. right
1: so that that like really stood out to me um and it's like, whoa, well, God, you're, it's like you're teaming up with your brother just to be ultimate dirt.
2: <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'll, just, I'll just go in line of what I've got. We go to the student council and I just wrote a note. I'm like, the student council has issues. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, the student council still has issues because jury recounts this story of a boy who drowned, but she can't remember his name. But he drowned saving her older sister. And I'm like, "What and it like <laughs> it was like the, 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 they're, like the other student council members were there, and they're like, Yeah, I don't remember who that was. And I'm like, <laughs> what is the point of that happening here?
0: Um, I mean do you remember that like yes, it's foreshadowing Jared, okay, because at, you know, it's the whole thing of this person did something very noble and saved my sister. And I promised I would never forget their name because they changed my life. But I don't remember their name. And my sister doesn't either. And we've all just kind of forgotten. But uh, I mean, the bare I... bones is there. And then when the series ends, everything <laughs> that's happened, uh, Utena's changed so much of everything. Nobody remembers her name. Uh, that it's just, a you know, life goes on. And we forget these things that might have impacted us greatly.
1: Yeah, someone uh, someone repaired the planetarium and everyone starts <laughs> to forget things. The million swords? Yes. Where Anthe takes the swords instead of, her, of the prince? That was wild. Like, what? Uh, and so, like, that's supposed to be symbolic to the swords that, like, she was stabbed with all along, like, in the past of, like, what the people on Earth or whatever planet they're on Um, Mm -hmm. basically they're
0: they're taking away their prints but it's also metaphorical for a societal ill that we have where women will take the, the brunt of the blame for everything that goes wrong even if it was a man's thing you know that uh women are the are the scapegoat the ones that are punished the most for these things so Mm. rather than akio who's you know oh he's perfect and he's handsome and he couldn't do anything wrong even if he's been a total jerk it was his sister this whole time she's the evil one
1: yeah uh we have those moments where akio so i wasn't sure quite what was up still with Akio trying to get through the gate? I mean, maybe it was just because things had gone over my head. I mean, we talked about it recently that he was trying to gain the, uh, the power to revolutionize the world there. I always thought because of the letters he was writing that there was something else going on with the whole overall story. But clearly at this point, no, he was trying to use that sword Utena's sword, right. To get through it. um, the gate that revealed itself and he couldn't get through it. It broke. Mm-hmm. So Utena is like literally just crawling on the floor because she's <laughs> been stabbed, mm-hmm. um, trying to get to the gate as well. And when she gets to it, she can't do anything. And like Akio is just like not paying attention. Or if he is, he's like, you're wasting your time. He's just sitting there. Like he has been casually for a lot of the series where he's like, yo, yeah, it's not going to work. And he mm-hmm. blabbers some stuff, and Anthy's just getting impaled by swords. <laughs>
0: so, yeah, uh, um, I think he even goes and chills out and has a oh a wine
1: parfait, a parfait, a drink or something. Like I have a, mm-hmm. I took a picture of that or something somewhere, or I found a picture of that recently. And I was like, hey, look who it <laughs> is. Um, yeah, and but. I made this note very clear. By the power of tears. Uh, I was joking with you. I was like, oh, I bet she's going to be her tears or something. And that's what it was. By the power of tears, she was able to like open the gate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or start to open it to reveal a coffin. Um, and Anthe is inside of it. A, a mm-hmm.
2: uh,
1: Looks like a weak version of Anthea. Um, and I'm like, whoa, it kind of finally meets Anthea like yes this is the uh, the real anthe right like this is yes. the actual one the
0: actual one that is not a an illusion or her spirit form uh that she's
1: been interacting with this whole time i can't we can't forget though like in these moments akio had done that thing where like we're seeing uh i guess we will call her fake anthe in mm-hmm. like on the ground helpless outside of that coffin too like um in her like red outfit from like being a child. Yep. Um that was happening as well. Uh but by the time Utena gets to the coffin, I can't remember what happened to like the witch version of Anthe. Like, um I don't remember if that characterization just disappeared or what because I was just so focused on the coffin Anthe at that point. Right. Um, you know, the one that had stabbed her Utena in the back. I'm like, wait, what happened to her? Hmm.
2: <laughs>
0: Anyways. Well, that uh, was when after she had stabbed her, uh, Utena reached out for her and grabbed the uh, bottom of her oh. uh, rose bride dress, and all of a sudden there was no Anthe in there, and it just crumpled to the floor.
1: That's right, and then we got the sword. So she's up. That's right. So she's up in the air, getting impaled, and then we've got right. Okay.
0: Yeah, um, and then once uh, yeah, mm-hmm. she's letting her out of the coffin. We don't get to see the one who's been floating there being stabbed over and over again. Um, because now the swords have... After Anthe
1: falls away, they turn on Utena and the dueling arena. Mm-hmm. You know, everyday life for uh, outside of Coffin Anthe must suck. Because we had all those episodes recently where like, Utena would just look over and be like, Hey, it's my friend Anthe! And then like a, a quick cut of like swords just impaling her. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that sucks. Um... <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> Uh yeah, so mm, that
0: that sucks. <laughs> yeah, the uh, how did you feel for this? You know the the climax moment of finally able to open the coffin and you know
1: greeting the real Anthe? I believed it. So like the amount of emotion and everything that happened with that uh, attempted suicide scene, um, jumping off the top of the building, um, mm-hmm. the emotion and everything. Uh, I believed it because Utena, like, saw past everything and still felt bad for Anthe. You know, Utena had f- completely formed her solid opinions at this point of uh, herself and, and trying to save Anthe. So all of that um, still rang true to me. And, you know, that ultimate betrayal of, like, the backstabbing um, still held true for me as, like, Okay, this character still wants to keep pushing, still wants to save Anthe. So, like, I, I I believed a lot of that, and I'm uh, you know, comparing it to what we had talked about in this episode of our recording of uh, of Toga. A lot of his, you know his Kokuhaku and his confession of his feelings and stuff. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, whatever, like, whatever. Um, whereas something like this is just on a whole other level.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's I don't know. It's it's so wonderful and just like being able to finally see this girl that she's known for so long forgotten gotten to know again and formed this you know very intimate relationship to finally be able to reach out touch and you know greet them and then of course it all falls away because it's not enough (laughs) and Mm -hmm. anthe falls away utena is left with nothing else i mean she's been stabbed through probably i don't know a kidney her stomach something horrible and uh used all of her strength to open this gate and this coffin
1: so i I just want to point out too like uh this reaching hands episode like everything in these moments um i mean this came before evangelion 2.0 but um that yeah there's a strong moment that's very similar to this um in that where it's like reach my hand grab my hand you have to like it's such like a powerful moment that like Mm -hmm. that moment in ava um will always be with me because of how amazing it is. And then like, we see this and it was actually like really similar with like how powerful it is. Yeah. Um, Utenna's trying so hard uh, to save Anthony mm-hmm. and right. I mean, I had kind of forgotten uh, that so that Anthony and Utenna they touch hands and yeah. Anthony falls because the tower is crumbling and Akio was like on the side, like freaking out, but he can't stop them, but he's like yeah. freaking out about what's happening. And that there were swords that had gone through Atena. And I wrote this question, like, so she failed? I couldn't believe that she had failed, right? Right. It just didn't make sense to me um, that she had failed with saving Anthe. And I I, I did forget that the swords went through Atena. Was it, like, all of the swords or just one or two? Yeah, they all formed
0: together into one big blade and then just rushed towards her. And, yeah, it's that quick rush of swords right towards her before we cut to black. And then everybody playing outside at the school again. Right, right
1: that was unexpected um obviously i thought she was gonna grab her and maybe yeah. maybe have like this moment of akio being akio and and i don't know trying to stop it from all from happening or one last final crazy moment um mm-hmm. but no no they're just like yeah <laughs> she just fell um yep. and Dutena and failed <laughs>
0: And then we have, you know, everything back to school being normal. Akio is fine. He's just like, oh, man, well, whatever. I guess I'll start the dueling game again. Gotta find new duelists. It's
1: like, like, no! (laughs) No, this bastard can't be still around. And, like, Wakaba went up there. She goes up there. She goes up there to find Utena. She's like, oh, I guess Utena's gone. Like she actually tries to find her friend and mm-hmm. like knock on the door or something. And I'm like, wait, that tower was destroyed. Wasn't it? Wait, what, what, what happened? Like that whole thing was supposed to have been destroyed. And mm-hmm. no, it wasn't. So is, was that like, is it like the pure illusion of the freaking planetarium? Like what's going All on? Right. Yeah. It's
0: uh, it's very confusing, um, moments there of the juxtaposition of
1: like, what's happening yeah. behind that door and what's happening outside of it. Mm. Right. So it, yeah, it, I had like some extra notes after this. So I'm like, oh, there's so much more in this episode. But no, that was just me writing my thoughts. Um, <laughs> no, really. Yeah. Uh, as you said a little bit before that a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, Lieutenant got hurt. I put that in quotes hurt like she's gone. She went away like, OK, mm-hmm. I guess she didn't die. I mean, I expected her to I don't know. I expected her to be around or be broken or, or who knows, but nothing. Mm-hmm. She's just gone. And so like people remember her, but they're starting to forget yeah um, and, like you said, everything went on as normal uh but we get the cool last twist at least is that anthe decides to leave the school on her own, implying that she has her own free will. yeah, she turns on her glasses, which you know is just
0: kind of the symbol of like be of being a deceptive person, you know you're not always revealing yourself it's a you know very japanese thing of like you know these using these glasses as a way of like hiding yourself and obscuring the real you and what you're thinking about but she's taken them off and she's you know her hair is down now it used to be pinned up all this time but she decides to to take it down and she tells akio that no i'm not going to be your rose bride for this next round of stuff i'm done i have to go find utina because she's out there she's just left Otori Academy. She's left your world, and I'm gonna go find her.
1: Right? Yeah. It uh, it was just kind of unexpected. Um, mm-hmm. It was it was a really wild moment for a little bit there, where Akio's just like, I believe he was typing new letters. Yep. And I'm like, wait, but your student council is beyond this, or are they? Um, you know, who? What are you gonna do? Are you gonna bring people into your fold now, or what? And then. You have Anthea leaving. Well, if Anthe has... So what I was trying to piece together was, you know, this coffin door was opened. These moments had happened. The coffin fell, mm-hmm. possibly metaphorically. Did Anthe actually, like, get out of that coffin, right? Was that enough to get out of it, mm-hmm. Um, to break what had happened with, like, this... I don't know if it's a curse, but this, like, cyclical nature of of the prince's power and, Mm -hmm. you know, Anthe's witch powers and this and all that. Like, she has her own free will, finally, right? So, yeah what... So, must you know, it must have been that she had, like, technically gotten out of it, right? Like, that's... Is that what everything's being implied as? Or maybe it was just a little bit? I don't know. You know, it was just a little bit. It was showing
0: Anthe that she has self-worth outside of being a tool for her brother, that she, you know, she loves her brother, honestly, and wants him to be happy and be free of this. But, you know, she's torturing herself at the cost of this and locking herself into the cycle of abuse where she's letting her brother abuse her in multiple different ways and abusing others here at the school by, you know, torturing them or using them for her own ends. And that, you know, she has self-worth and she can be loved by somebody without it being, you know, this deceptive thing or, you know, being used that it's a pure love. And seeing that gives her the ability to revolutionize her own self, her own self-worth and her own world and that she can have her own destiny on her own terms. Mm. So, I mean, it's a lot of metaphor. It's not all literal of like, oh, the door is open so that means I can crawl out. Like, no, it's, you know, being shown your love and your value it's very similar to the final episode of evangelion where we've been building up to this whole thing like oh there's these aliens attacking and we've got to stop like you know the the end of humanity and things it's about a boy finding worth in himself despite all of the things that he goes through and all of his own issues you know it's Mm. very similar but for anthe and dealing with things you know from a female perspective
1: yeah and and all of that clicks with me all of that makes sense I still try to but there's still that aspect of like the core story of, of this whole series yes. that, that is the that the one thing that's not clicking is um you know it's implied that Anthe when that the eternity that Utana saw, like Anthe is impaled by these swords and this pain, and I guess that that could be metaphorical too, but I'm like What was the real Anthe? Like, was Anthe? So I actually have a note here because I was questioning it right at the end. Um, I said, I wrote, so Anthe has been in a coffin this whole time. She's just a projection. So, like, was this character of Anthe literally behind that gate? Or was that all metaphorical of, like, feeling? Because Mm. this character that was down on the ground, you know, literally, like, down at the bottom of the tower. Mm Mm-hmm hanging out with everyone watering the flowers all that stuff and pulling the strings was that like a projection with that like witchly power that was so strong that she could do all those things and then do like the change of the voice the change of the characters in that second arc where she was actually well basically like pulling the strings there right Mm -hmm. um with Aki or whatever so you have all of these things happening uh it's like wait was that the real with like powers and everything was sealed away metaphorically or was it that she was actually in a coffin who like behind this thing like she was gated away because of this fairy tale fairy tale-esque story Mm -hmm. um where she's like literally gated away and then utena finally opens that gate she opens this coffin and um that's when like the actual like self-worth revelation happens Hmm. and uh or was it all just subconscious like that's kind of like where i'm going with it it's like who was the real anthe here Um, so
0: i think that it is kind of a combination of things i think you know we never see anthe being stuck in a coffin we go you know in the the actual like things that legitimate happened in the series she Seals away her brother's power before she is impaled by the swords of humanity. So she's and a ghost. She's <laughs> she's hanging by these swords, but she's, you know, being tortured like this. And then we see her in this coffin. I think that it's the real her, and obviously she feels the pain of these swords all of the time, but it's kind of just you know, the the lingering things of the guilt of what she's taken from the world, and obviously what the world did to her because of that, um, and unable to see her brother move on and and find happiness um, outside of being the prince. And she's kind of sealed herself away inside this fr- uh, coffin hmm. by, you know, having these unresolved issues. So it's, it's metaphor become real, and that the real physical body is inside a physical coffin um, and she is projecting herself like it's not like you know a ghost that you just pass through she has a tangible form but it's you know her her witch powers either derived from something she's had this whole time or um, the curse and that's part of it is giving her these abilities but yeah the her real physical body is stuck inside this coffin and yeah she's, she's stuck in there from all of these things that she's gone through
1: and just to be like 100% clear for someone like me who's new to this uh this whole series <laughs> um <laughs> and this kind of wild ending is that power to revolutionize the world. I mean, I understand it from the there's perspective of Akio wanting to get his power back, mm-hmm. uh the light back. Okay, then we had Utena trying to yeah, the power, you know, save Anthy basically. Right. Uh, All of those characters, the student council, all that stuff was just more basic needs of being used and manipulated. You know, the power to experience that sound again with my sister or I don't know, like what was juries to be with the girl or or something. Yeah, you have these all of these like, okay, more obvious type moments um, as a ploy. And then you get to, you know, Anthony never she can't like. Because of her her fate, she can't be, like, a duelist, right? Like, she can't Mm -hmm. – I mean, this is not how the whole series works, but it's not like she could, like, save herself with that power. It's it's always had to be somebody else because of how it was sealed. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess I'm just saying all of that to reconfirm it in my mind because I'm like, was it, you know, an actual curse or – or is it just like the time, like the how time had passed and this is mm-hmm. how it all went down? And then you had Akio taking the reins of trying to be this manipulative person, right? He's trying right. to he's trying to get back that power. But uh, it all happened because of Anthy to begin with. Yeah, it, it's a really hard, for me, it's a really um, hard uh, concept to want to feel really bad for Anthe. Because at the same time, she was, isn't like a lot of this her fault? Like that, so this had happened. Like, right? Oh man, I'm, you can be mm. a victim
0: of your own actions. And I also oh, yeah. want to preface this: I don't want to say that I'm delivering answers from the mountain on high. We start this episode every time introducing we're one sort of expert. I've watched. The, this is the, my second time seeing this series. I've just <laughs> I've seen it once answers. before. I'm sorry. Look, there is a lot of really great reading by a lot of really great fans out there. And the one thing that ticks me off the most, and uh, is that the wiki for this show is so bare bones with nothing in there and i'm like i just want to eat all of this information up but there's nothing here my plate is empty mm-hmm. <laughs> but i suppose i just have to look at other avenues rather than just oh those fan wiki will get me will tide me over
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it was uh yeah no like it ha- it definitely is much more constructed than where a lot of anime take things so mm-hmm. this episode clenching all this everything together like it comes down to this like singular point like literally the one that stabs utenna um (laughs) but it's like the ultimate like horrible thing that could happen to her of she tried so hard but then we got this quick reveal that no she actually made a huge impact yeah um and it wasn't about revolutioning revolutionizing like the world it was like revolutionizing anthe's world in a way Mm -hmm. um I am curious, I don't know what the movie is like, or what happens in the movie, but, um, you know, I'm curious if it shows anything about, like, Anthe leaving, or if it's just more like a retelling, um, Mm -hmm. and it has a different version of Anthe gaining her revolution, or whatever happens, so.
0: Yeah, we'll have to wait and see, that'll be the next thing that we tackle. Oh, boy. I also wanted to pepper in this one thing. I know that you know you're looking for answers. I'm trying to provide the ones that I can, as best I can. And like I, need I also answers
1: ready. need answers.
0: Thing. Here's the thing. Do you remember the first time you watched Evangelion and you finished it? Do you remember being like? But what happened? (laughs) Like, I need to know. And, like, there's a ton of information out there, very accessible. But, like, you've taken the time to ingest that. You've watched the series multiple times. You get more things. Mm -hmm. Utena is very much like that, where it's going to require some more work on your part to really get at what you want. Um, So, you know, if if you are like Jared and you sat through this whole show and you listen to this and you're like, well, what the heck was that? Like, look, take, take the time, you know, look stuff up, do some reading, do some, have some conversations with people and figure this stuff out. It's, that's part of the fun. We don't have all the answers and we can, we can learn all of these things. Like, there's an interview with Ikuhara where somebody asked, so what's the deal with Miki's stopwatch? Like, he's always hitting it at like random times. What is that? And his answer was, the stopwatch holds all of the answers of the universe. End of a question moving on to the next one. <laughs> like it's just what? We're not he's not gonna reveal it. He's not gonna spill the beans on some of this shit. So we gotta we do it we're doing this ourselves, people.
1: Yeah, was that like a reference to like Mickey's contribution like if the prince was the light and then you had like the power of miracles in this i can't remember what Miki's was but i think it was he's it's mickey is always
0: talking about the shining thing you know the oh right um the nostalgia of playing with his
1: sister and like being able to play the song perfectly
0: it's you know
1: you know i understand that people have to ask like the hard-hitting questions of like mickey with a stopwatch but like what about like did not actually become a cow like (laughs) Uh, or was it
0: all an illusion done by uh anthe to torture her you know i you know anthe that's quite a character (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh well uh do you have anything else you want to talk about here before
1: we we conclude and we talk about what we're doing after this Uh, the only thing i'll say is that like in the last couple of days i've done some reading on especially the last six episodes to prepare for tonight Mm -hmm. um there's some like you said there's some really powerful reading out there some or or, like writings that have been done so you know shout outs to people who have put a lot of time and effort into like analyzing this series and going way deeper than like i have been able to um Mm -hmm. you know i definitely thank anybody for or everybody uh, and anyone who kind of like had to like listen to me be like well what is it, if it's this if it's this it's like oh, oh, oh boy uh <laughs> yeah if only he knew um <laughs> i yeah so there's that and i also um i've been listening to a lot of the music and i think the the series itself has a very strong soundtrack and it has obviously made itself really clear um while we didn't have like reactions being recorded um, unless you were secretly recording, Randy. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, there would be like certain cues of music in this series. And it's like, oh my God, oh, what's going to happen? It's the car again, isn't it? <laughs> um, but the, between the battles and like the repeat animations and going up the tower and uh, even like, you know, like the interlude between the halfway point of this, the episodes to the next on previews. Like um, I listened to a lot of that music again in the last couple of days, including today. And, and it, it's uh it's a really strong soundtrack. Like it's decently well written and then when you start listening to more of the songs, um mm-hmm. you'll hear like the bits and pieces carrying through and and I feel like some series try to do this and they just don't accomplish it too well and this one's like, oh, wow, it's like really fitting, you know?
0: Yeah. No, yeah. it's a a masterful undertaking of all of the the music that's for this show. And it's also wild. That this this is their first thing, you know, they made right out of the gate is this show. Just the pedigree of the people involved is just really phenomenal.
1: Yeah, it definitely tells true of the pedigree. Um some of the readings I was looking at were I I believe, you know, there's a comparison of like the budget of this series to the budget that evangelion had and how this series went an extra 13 episodes longer but still accomplished everything it wanted to do um and that there was even like uh transitory uh, um, staff from evangelion that had been working on this and like how like you know they wonder like all of these different creators coming together to bring like their current industry experience into the series and, mm-hmm. um, wondering how, you know, the experiences of Evangelion had impacted them and working a bit on this show. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I'm curious like what those stories are out there, you know? Um, yeah, it's, absolutely. It's a, definitely a key piece of anime f- fandom. And I, I think that this show has like, because of like the pedigree of the people who are worked on it. Um, you can definitely see why it's been so strong yeah Um, throughout uh here's a question for you totally off the rails
0: oh Um, yeah after watching this tv series are you interested or do you have more interest in watching other series by these by this creator and this team like penguin drum um yurikuma arashi or more recently sarazanmai
1: uh to some degree yes so like one of my um, really good friends uh, who lives locally to me. We, you know, he's really big into anime, and uh, we'll talk about it. I think he's seen Penguin Drum, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he watched all of that series, and then I told him about Utena and how you know it's by the the same team, and he's like, oh yeah, you know, if it's anything like Pangandrum, it's going to be full of metaphors. And he said that to me over and over and over again. Like, even this past weekend, he's like, this series is going to be full of metaphors, right? Like, And I'm like, yeah, well, I finished it, so I guess I can tell you the whole thing's a metaphor. But <laughs> <laughs> but it's very different. Yeah. We were talking about it, and I, I said it's extremely different than, like, Evangelion's like imagery,
2: mm-hmm. that
1: that has like a lot of just straight up imagery happening. Whereas in this series, it's like all linked a very different way. Like it's not just like Christian imagery being thrown at you. Right. Um, yeah. it it's like, Oh, th- there's this and that. Well, unless you consider the stopwatch, which is like in control of the universe, but yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> well, cool. I, I hope you do. Cause I liked Penguin Drum. I thought Yurikuma Arashi was incredible, and I haven't seen Sarazanmai
1: yet. So, one of these days, soon. I just need to remember that I... Oh, no, thank God. I closed that tab about uh, whatever that series that we don't want... That shouldn't be named. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The one that whoever worked on it, the... Oh, Into the Erogenous Zone? Into the Erogenous Zone. I, I closed that tab. I didn't want to remember the name, but... <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, I, I, that's the only like series I want to watch after this. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, before we close
0: out, I just want to go quick through our list of predictions you had for this series. Oh, boy. So, number one, is Choo Choo end of the world? No, he's not. Oh. Uh,
1: what happened to Choo
0: Choo in the end? He... Did he go with her? Yeah, because she puts on her glasses. He puts down his tie and earring like it's his oh, badge and gun. Right. Yep. He loads up his you know backpack and he goes off with her uh, <laughs> on her adventure to go find Utena. All right. Uh, the Shadow Girls, the puppetry girls. Anthea is controlling them. Just an Utena series thing. I mean, I put a red X here because of the. it's just an Utena series thing. I mean, yeah, it is only in that show. I don't know why I put a red X. It should have been a green check mark. Uh, Anthea, I believe, is controlling them. I don't think we ever get a full thing, but we see them substantiated as people from the back for all of one scene when they're inviting Utena and Anthe to the play of the Rose Bride. And uh, I don't know. I feel like the entire time it's just been Anthe's doing and like entertaining herself because she's who knows how old, you know, mm-hmm. she's been dealing with a lot of shit. She's got to entertain herself somehow. Hmm. Um, End of the World, sending letters like the Dead Sea Scrolls to predict events. They all receive letters. What, uh, if they are the Puppet Master? Are they a child? No, it was Akio. I mean... Mm They are similar to Dead Sea Scrolls things. Uh, Toga is being manipulated. Slash isn't the big bad. Yes, we went over that before. Um, It was Akio. Akio is probably brainwashing. Anthe is Anthe related to the prince? Engaged to him? Uh, Yes, yes, and yes. I mean, not brainwashing, but abusing and being manipulative. Related to? Yes. Engaged? Uh, I guess. I mean, if you're Uh, by some willpower, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, technically. Oh man right uh akio and Anthe are not siblings no they're super siblings i I didn't want to believe it i didn't want (laughs) to believe it for so
1: long (laughs) because it's so wrong right and i'm like ah anime always has like this thing like i could be honestly i could see even like this series just being like um well by the power of my projection planetarium it wasn't her real body like (laughs) i can i could see that like because anime they just never like to go there. But apparently this one didn't actually go that far. And they're well, they went that far. They just didn't go as far as like trying to cover it up. So kudos to them yeah. for that. But uh,
0: man, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you had also tried to guess how many anatomy episodes that were left. Um, we talked about that before. The last one I want to talk about is your final one. Will they finally ride horses in the sky, like in the opening, and wear that armor, and they've got their jousting lances, and they ride armored horses? No. I had the same question when I watched through the series, uh, talking to my husband. I'm like, so when does that happen, though? That's gotta happen. They show the opening. Why would they design these things if they're not gonna use them, and they never do?
1: Mm. Yeah, maybe it's in the movie. (laughs) Mm. You're like, um no but <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh
0: so that's gonna be it for the tv show what we're gonna do now is our next episode we're going to talk about the movie Adolescence of Utena so uh this is your chance go buy the blu-ray and watch it since you can't watch it on any streaming anywhere and then after that we're going to do an entire series retrospective where we talk about the series as a whole and then you know what it accomplished what we felt it felt flat on and uh you know everything of that sort so that Mm -hmm. should be a ton of fun yes Uh, thank you for listening uh we've only got those two episodes left to go um so please stick with us we're you're almost there you have made it this far you might as well stick around thank
1: you to any sponsors we might have had jared where can people find you they can find me in my coffin uh just (laughs) sad and depressed with swords metaphorically stabbing through me every day Ouchie. I'm actually dead, but I'm a ghost, but I'm not. I'm just in the skies that my brother hates. Uh, they can find me on <laughs> the internet, mostly like uh, Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, wherever else. Oh, Snapchat. Well, yeah, and uh, TikTok. <laughs> um,
0: hot anime vlogger. Heck yeah. You can uh, find me on most of those places uh, at Saber underscore Breaker. So uh, subscribe to the show. Tell your friends about it. Tell your friends to watch Utena and have a good time. Uh it's uh definitely a trip and we'll see you talking about the movie next time. Theme song Zettai Unmei Mokoshiroku provided by Astrophysics. You can find their music on Bandcamp and YouTube or follow them on Twitter at AstroSynth.